Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode, and I say this on every show. First off, if you have not already done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And also, I don't say this every show, but be sure to share the episode with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. Secondly, you know, we have the Move the Ball merchandise store. We're always adding new pieces. So there's a link in the show notes. Go check that out. Get yourself some swag and rock that you're a part of the Move the Ball movement. And to those who have sent me photos of them wearing their gear, keep those photos coming. I love seeing you rocking in the movement. All right. So for today's episode, I've got a great guest with us inside the huddle today and ready to talk about his experience and share what he does to move the ball is Tavon Wilson. Hey, Tavon, how's it going? Hi, Jen. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me today. Well, I'm excited to chat with you. Let me just share a little bit about your background for our listeners. Tivon is an NFL defensive back who is currently a free agent. He most recently played with the San Francisco 49ers. Tivon played college football at the University of Illinois, and he was drafted by the New England Patriots in the second round of the 2012 NFL draft. With the Patriots, Tivon won Super Bowl 49, and other teams that he has played for, in addition to the 49ers and the Patriots, have been the Lions and the Colts. We will talk about him playing in the league and more on today's episode. All right, Tivon, are you ready to move the ball? I'm definitely ready to move the ball. All right. So first, I'm just going to say I got to give a quick shout out to my guy, Darius Fleming, who was on that Super Bowl team with you. So shout out to D. He recently announced that he and his wife are expecting. And so I'm excited to see him be a new daddy here pretty soon. And I know you have a family of two beautiful young boys, Tyler and TJ, who are six and going to be nine. So you know what fatherhood is all about. Definitely. Congratulations to my guy, D. Flem. Uh, we still talk here today. So congratulations to him and his family. I'm excited for him. So I most definitely know what fatherhood is. You know, having an opportunity to be a father is very special to me because I do everything for those boys. They mean so much to me. So uh, I'm excited for D. Flem. That's, that's what's up. It's been neat seeing kind of just his growth and, and journey. They've had their, their bird for a long time. And now they're going to expand their family to a new baby. So it's exciting to see. So I wasn't going to start here, but since we're talking about family, let's, you and I've talked about how, you know, there's a lot that's involved with being an NFL player. It's not just about what you do on the field or in the weight room or in the film room with your teammates. You have a family and there's a lot of things that you have to balance. Sometimes you pick up and leave and have to move. And your wife is a huge Part of that, having to move the family to a new city or, or just adjust because of the nature of the business of the NFL. So from your perspective, I mean, what is it like having to juggle a family and be a professional football player? Um, it's, it's most definitely challenging. I think it's challenging on the player and I think it's challenging on the family as well. The NFL stands for not for long. And, you know, you're not in these places for a long time and you want to set your life up 
in a way that try to be as stable as possible. And, you know, my wife is a huge part of that. And for me to be allowed to play in the NFL for 10 years, I mean, she felt like she's been in there for 10 years um, for all the different moves with the kids and, you know, the different schools and the packing up and, you know, trying to make sure everything I have, have everything that I need to have to, you know, to be my best self. So without her wearing those, all those different hats over the years, you know, all this wouldn't be possible. And just this down to, you know, our whole support system as a family, you know, her mom, my grandmother, um, and the kids are great about it too, because they're not happy. Then, you know, we got a whole different problem. Um, they're really excited about moving from different schools. They, they mean, they do great with it. So everyone's been all hands in, you know, the past, you know, 10 years uh, since I've been in NFL. And they say it takes a village and especially in professional sports, it really takes that support system, that that team, because you can pick up and move on any moment's notice. I remember recently had uh, Nate Harrison on the show. Nate is with the Minnesota Vikings now. And he talked about when he left the Colts, he's like, you know, imagine if you get a phone call and you're told you have to be somewhere and you got to pick up your whole life in three hours, never to come back to that city. He's like, that's what my life was like. And so I, I don't think a lot of people that are just in the, the regular world, the corporate world, understand just how, how fast-paced and how quick things can happen. you got to pick up and move. Oh, yeah, it's definitely fast-paced. Because, you know, even to the extent of at the end of contracts, when, you know, you only got a one-year deal and, you know, you don't want to get too comfortable in that city because, you know, you're probably not going to go back. And it's very fast-paced and it's hard to ever get used to. But, you know, having a family kind of keeps you grounded and kind of helps you uh, slow it down some. And um, that's why living in North Carolina was kind of our choice, place of choice early on, because we understood that the NFL could have been over five years ago. We've been blessed to be able to be a part of it for, you know, longer than we could have ever imagined. And we're grateful for that. But we just try to set up our life to be comfortable and live in our, you know, steady way, despite of all the chaos. <laughs> sure. And you've been in the league for a while. Something I like to ask vets is, how has your perspective changed over the years regarding the NFL as being a business from now to when you first came into the league as a rookie and your mentality and perspective then? Um, it's definitely a business. I think, you know, early on, you know, you come in, you're a little bit naive into understanding, you know, all the business aspects of the NFL and you want to assume that it's all about the game. Uh, that's the way it should be, but it's a business aspect they go into it. You know, it's a financial portion that you know, you can't ignore. There's a whole bunch of different variables that no one can ignore about it. And me being a person that's, you know, been around for a while and having seen those things, I kind of uh, understand those things and kind of can see them better for myself. I mean, I've been a part of the NFL roster for 10 years. I can tell how I set up probably on the first day of training camp of who's going to probably be there for sure and who's probably not going to be there. And that's just the business aspect of it from seeing it for so long. Is there something that you wish you knew coming into your rookie season that you would like pass on to? We recently had the NFL draft a couple months ago when guys have begun that transition from being a college player or a post-college player to becoming a professional athlete. They've done their rookie mini camps and OTAs and mandatory mini camp. And as they're getting ready to prepare for training camp and the regular season, like what advice would you pass on or what do you wish that you knew going into your first season? I would say... Uh... That what you just said, you are a professional. This is your job. And I think when I came to the NFL as a hard worker and, you know, all that stuff, I would put in the work, but I didn't really understand the job aspect of it. I mean, that's something I do today. 
that what I was telling these guys that, man, this is your job. You need to take it serious like a job. And because you're going in there, you're going to be competing against people with families and you're trying to take food off their plates. So if you don't treat it like a job, you're really not giving yourself an opportunity to compete against those guys. Is it time for fun, you know, within that, you know, yeah, the game's supposed to be fun and you're supposed to live your life and have fun. But when trying to adjust to something new and unknown, you need to kind of be on more of the reserve side rather than going into it thinking you know it all. I wouldn't say I was a person that thought I knew it all, but I didn't know what I didn't know. You know what I mean? And I back then, I wish I knew how much of a, a job and a business the NFL really was. And the NFL is a highly competitive space, more so than just the normal workforce per se. So there's every day there's somebody that's competing to take your spot. And so even more so, you need to maintain that perspective of, hey, I'm here to work. I'm a professional and I need to do what I need to do so that I can secure my spot on that roster. For sure. For sure. And I think the sooner you can realize that, then the better opportunities you're going to give yourself. Because everyone that's on the NFL roster, you I mean, you start out with 90 guys. You're not going to the season with 90 guys. And a lot of guys, when they get drafted or get picked up, you know, those are great moments. But that's the, the work is just starting there. You know what I mean? And I wish kind of told me that, you know, I played really well as a rookie, but I didn't understand the work that kind of needed to be done to kind of sustain that over a course of time because I didn't understand that it was a job. So it's always fun, you know, to kind of pour into those young guys when they get in there and uh, help them along and help them understand that. Do you think guys today coming into the league versus guys coming in when you were coming in are more aware of the need to be a professional and that this is a business? Yes, I do. And I think, you know, with social media and everything, you can kind of touch and feel guys a little more than hear different podcasts and a whole bunch. It's a bunch of different resources that wasn't so popular when, you know, I was coming up. So, but I had great guys that kind of let me know, you know, what it was back then too, like Devin McCourty, uh, Vince Wilford, um, having an opportunity to see Tom Brady, you know, do it the right way. But today they do, you know, it is a little more resourceful in a way, I think, for guys to understand. Like, I mean, NIL is like crazy to me. Like, you know, they get paid for going to college, uh, you play ball, and that's all that stuff is great. And, and I think it's preparing them for what's ahead because in college we didn't have an opportunity to have NIL and to get a chance to really manage money in those type of circumstances. So. I mean, I think as many disadvantages people think about it, it's advantages too, because I'm just kind of helping these guys prepare them for the future. Oh, absolutely. So you played college football at Illinois. When you look at the Illinois football program and the athletic department, what do you feel were some of the strengths that they had in terms of helping to prepare you for your transition? Just being at that university and the resources that it provided, the counselors, like everybody, it was just kind of a whole hands-in approach. And it allowed me to understand like my network and, you know, to take advantage of my network. And it just prepared me in ways that I would never imagine. Like being from Washington, D.C., having the chance to go halfway across the country to Illinois was life changing for me as a city kid. And it just gave me a different perspective on life. Um, I'm, I love Illinois. You see, I have my Illinois stuff on now. So uh, yeah, it was definitely, definitely life changing. Um, even from the, the football perspective, it was great. But just my whole college experience and the people that I was met, some of my best friends, you know, one of my best friends lived here in North Carolina. He went to school with me. I mean, he didn't play football, but, you know, I met him in college. You know, it's a whole bunch of people that I've met, you know, from the school that I've had, you know, lifelong relationships with. So um, it's been a blessing. 
And you mentioned the network. I mean, this is something I harp on a lot in the show, as well as just speaking engagements that I do, or I do a lot of talks with student athletes to set them up for life beyond football. And building your network early is important because you never know when those relationships are going to help you for what's next, right? I and mean, we know it's all about timing and opportunities. And if you have a strong network, then you should have some great opportunities afforded to you. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, when you build that strong network and you still got to like tap into it and make sure you kind of nurse that network because, you know, just know someone uh, met them 10 years ago. I mean, they're going to pick up the phone for you when you call. If that's someone you feel like, you know, that needs to be in your network and someone that, you know, you can help them, they can help you type of thing. That's someone that you need to make sure that you keep in contact with. Make sure they know that it's important to you that you want to be a part of what they have or what they have to offer. Right. And I think so many people get this wrong. They think that networking is, okay, I know that person. So when I want to come and call them and ask them for a favor, that's what networking is. And it's not. It's about building these quality relationships, staying up to date with people, bringing value. It's a mutual value, mutual beneficial type of a relationship. It's not just what can you do for me? Exactly. Exactly. And the relationships are so much better when they're that way. It's not when it's not one-sided and when they're genuine. I mean, if I call you just to see how your kids are doing or, you know, how the family's on or how your day-to-day stuff, then all the other stuff would be easy. And, you know, and people don't sometimes don't understand that. Um, and that's unfortunate. Right. And and I think people are always looking about, you know, what's in it for me or they're, they're just busy. So they don't prioritize the need to maintain relationships where I think like for me, people ask, you know, how, I didn't grow up in a football family. I didn't know anybody in the league, but I've built this brand around football and people are going, what's your secret? And there's a lot of things that I did, but one of the things is I took the time to build relationships and to network. I didn't ask for anything. You know, I wasn't like, hey, it's nice to meet you. Hey, I need you to do this for me because that turns off people right away, right? So it's just about connecting with people and building those relationships. For sure. And being intentional about how you want those relationships to grow. Uh, people um, are just way more open to you when they can feel your intentions and where you want the thing to go. So I want to talk about your draft process. But before we go there, I want to ask, I ask people this all the time. You know, I mentioned that, you know, I've, I was a student of the game really young, fell in love with the game of football at four. When you look at the sport of football, what is it about it that made you fall in love with the game? That you get to hit people, honestly. And like, you know, as a kid, it was, you know, it made it made everyone, you know, when I played the game, it made everyone around me proud. So, um, you know, it's cause like, well, if I want to hit somebody, I don't get in trouble for it, you know. And we used to always get in trouble playing, you know, too rough around the house and things like that. So when I got a chance to play football, it was like, wait, like this is perfect. Like this is it. And I kind of felt it, you know, early on and um, scoring touchdowns and you know, I started off playing quarterback. So scoring touchdowns was always great. And you know, I just always enjoyed it. And the piece that, you know, being in the helmet uh, has always bought me, no matter, you know, what's going on, whatever those two and a half, three hours, um, with the time I'm on the field, like I'm locked in, I'm enjoying it and just having a blast with my brothers. Love it. And something else I, I ask people about is a lot of my listeners know that the Move the Ball movement started because I wrote a book on football called Move the Ball and wrote about lessons that I had learned from the game that could make you successful outside of just like the teamwork, the discipline, the hard work, like any competitive sport will give you those things. Any competitive team sport will give you that as well. But when you look at football, like what are some of the other lessons that you took away from the game that you think have really helped you to be successful both on the field and off? 
I would say the the um the, the whole team were part of it, the, the big team were part of it because having to, you know, whether it's whether it goes your way or goes someone else's way, at the end of the day, when it only mattered about the win or the loss, you know what I mean? And um so my success depends on your success. So we better work together and to kind of figure that thing out. And that's a like life and like relationships. And um so it translates for me and it helps me to understand um like giving to others. It may not be perfect for yourself. You know what I mean? Like in a game of football, like every no everybody can be Tom Brady, everybody can be Patrick Mahomes or whoever, but it's a collective sport and if everybody do their job, we all can obtain the same goal. And that's in life too. If everybody put their heads together and, you know, do, you know, for a common goal, like we can, we're a lot better, stronger together than we are apart. Um, so I would say the teamwork part of it was always like the best part of the sport for me. For sure. Yeah, everyone's got to play their position and contribute to that team. Yeah, for sure. So let's take a few minutes and talk about uh, your transition from college to the league. So you had your pro day on March 30th of 2012. Um, on the show before, I've chatted with guys about how it's go mode from like the last college football game you play basically through the first season. You've got, you know, you're doing your pre-draft training, getting ready for a combine or for pro day, and then you get drafted or signed as an undrafted free agent. And then away you go to your team and it's train, train, learn the playbook, work, work, work. When you look at what you were doing for to get ready for pro day, what was your training like and what were some of the things you were really focused on? At first it was for me, it was uh it was the start out, not getting invited to the combine was it was tough for me because um having been able to start, you know, four years in the Big Ten and play well, you know, play multiple positions and not get invited to the combine, that was tough. So after my last game, my senior game, we played in like California or something. And I had just kind of set out for like two weeks and kind of recollected my thoughts and kind of see where I wanted to go, you know, what I needed to take to kind of talk to some of the people that were important to me at that time. And uh, we put together a plan. We started to look at like the positives of, you know, the time rather than, you know, what hadn't happened. So we uh, put together like an eight-week plan. I think everybody for the combine had like four weeks or something. And I had like eight or 10. So we was like, okay, this is this is an advantage. So as we set out the plan, I just really like locked into like being everything that pretty much everybody kind of doubted me and said I wasn't. I mean, I even went far out putting up articles in my like hotel room and stuff like that, a little motivation stuff. And I uh, really committed to dominating, you know, my pro day. And that's what I did. So the pre-draft process was crazy. Like after my pro day was crazy. I had like a whole bunch of calls. Uh, in the top 30 visits, I went on visits like for like 30 days straight. So we knew, me, my agent, my uh, advisors, we kind of knew that I, it was going to be something special. Like we didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. I mean, we didn't have a crystal ball, but my trainer, like everybody, they was like, man, you know, we think you're going to get drafted a lot higher than, you know, everybody expects. So fast forward to the draft and, you know, New England, they called. Uh, it was crazy because me and my family was just sitting in the living room. I'm just texting on my phone. I really paying attention. It's during the second round. And I was, my granddad came upstairs. He was like, you need to answer the phone. I guess they had called him because it was a 508 number that came through on my phone. And as I was texting, uh, I accidentally pressed in. So then they called back. And then that's when I, I got drafted. 
it was uh, one of the most, you know, memorable moments in my life, you know, uh, because everything that me, uh, my trainer at the time, Myra Flowers had set out to do, my advisors at the time, Omar, my family, everything we set out to do had came to, you know, fruition. And it was a great feeling. Um, it really was. Now, as I'm listening to you, there you made me think of something. So you've got social media today. You mentioned earlier there's some benefits of social media in terms of how there's more resources for guys to be more prepared about what what it's like transitioning and becoming a professional football player. The other side of that is you've got all kinds of people out there that are tweeting or posting about where they think you're going to land. We're writing articles, right, about you know where they think you should be drafted. There were a lot of people that thought you were going to be a late round pick. You ended up going second round. Um, I know you and your agent and your advisors were not thinking about, but when you look at like the pressure that goes on kids today that, you know, they're thinking they're going to go a certain round and they might go lower or they're thinking they're low round, they might go higher, which is great. But I guess like talk to us about like, where, what's your headspace like during that time? Or what do you think it's like for kids today with so much social media being present and people just putting out where they think guys should go? Um, I think my, my mindset during that time was mainly like, you know, it don't really matter what no one else thought at that point. Like, I felt like I was better than a lot of guys that, you know, had the opportunity. We just ain't winning enough for Illinois, in my opinion. That just was unfortunate. So, and I felt like if I did my part, that, you know, it was going to take care of itself. But I'll say the pressures from, you know, guys now in this, I'll say they create those pressures themselves because you, you're entitled to look at what you want to look at, like, you didn't got to go on the social media and read, you know, bad stuff about yourself. Like, that's, you know, that's your choice. Or you ain't got to believe that, you know, you're going in the first round just because somebody write it. You didn't go in the first round yet. So let's be patient and figure out, like, where you're going. During the process, I never said, hey, I'm going to go in the second round. I never once said that. It was just like, hey, I'm going to put this work in and I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to have faith that it's going to work out. It might not work out, but, you know, I'm going to put it in because, like, I know. If I put it in, it's going to work out. And kind of how I've lived, you know, my career is, you know, the ball could have bounced a few ways at different times. Like, that's life. But I knew, you know, if I handled my part for the majority, then it will work itself out. For sure. And you made me think about something else. So you've asked me before, you know, how many, how long have I been doing this podcast? We're in season three. The very first episode was the day after the Super Bowl in 2020. And it was with Chris Leak. Chris, who had won a national championship at Florida, a you know, great, great athlete. And something he said in that episode is that he's like, you have to fall in love with the process. Too many people are focused on the outcome and you have to really fall in love with the process. And when you put in the work and trust the process, right, like the results will come that you're looking for, but you just need to focus on the process. Oh, for sure. 100%. And you got to really enjoy the process too. Like you got to enjoy like, you know, the early mornings, the late nights. So you know, having to put the work in and reach your goal and being okay if it doesn't, you know, happen exactly the way that you want it to happen. I think that's one thing I fell in love with, like, in high school. As, well, probably even before high school. Like, high school is when I really started to understand, like, what to do as far as, like, trying to reach my goal of, you know, being an NFL player. It was the process. I understood that school was a part of the process for me to go to college and to me to reach my goals. So I did what I had to do to make sure that, you know, my schoolwork was always done, that I was on top of those things because, you know, my grandmother didn't play. Like, if school wasn't handled the right way, then it wasn't, 
knows football. She even made me during the pre-draft process. So I wasn't done school over those like 10 days. It was kind of still like Christmas break or whatever. So I wasn't done school. I had like, like nine hours left. And it was like, well, my grandma was like, well, you have to train at school if you don't figure out a way to uh, finish school. And I said, uh, I'm not training at school. I was like, there's no way I'm training at school. She said, but there's no way you're going back if you get drafted. She said, you're not going to go finish if you get drafted. She's like, so let's just get it finished now. So I had uh, organized like an individual study with like one of the professors I was really good, uh, cool with on campus. And she was great. I had did like online classes for like my last nine hours and actually got my degree uh, from Illinois. So that was a part of my process, you know, doing the draft, you know, just falling in love with the process. For sure. So you ended up being drafted by the Patriots. Your first uh, professional regular season debut was the season opener. You guys played the Titans. And so what was it like for you suiting up and and going out there during the first regular season game? Uh, It was amazing. It was so much fun. Like, just saying, you don't know what you don't know. Like, I mean, I was probably out there jacking up so much stuff, but I was having so much fun, you know, just playing on the field and being in the first game. Um, it was a hot day, you know, to get the win that day and to play well. You know, I played pretty well, solid in that game. I got my first interception. And um, I actually blew, I think I blew that coverage and I just happened to be just running around and just caught the ball or something. Uh, but it was uh, it was definitely a dream come true. And I like I probably remember every play like vividly from that game. Nice. So let's fast forward to the 2014 season, which was the season that you guys won the Super Bowl. What was it like that year and then just the road to the Super Bowl? It started out real crazy because we was like we started out like one and two. I remember us getting like we got whooped by the Chiefs on like Monday Night Football. And, you know, it was a bunch of media stuff going around and just kind of going back to that thing of, you know, you control what you want to see. We chose not to look at, you know, all those things that people were saying as far as like we were done, you know, um, that we weren't good. You know, we knew we had all the pieces in that locker room to, to make it happen. So we go on like a 10 game winning streak. It was like, it felt special. Like it was like, no, it's no way we can't win. Like we just kept saying it. There's no way we can't win. And then we, uh, we go up to Lambeau in December and have uh, like a, we lost to them in a, in a nail biter, but we still felt good about like what we had. So we go on our run, we get to the playoffs, we go to the Ravens, Ravens come to us. They, they up 14 points. We overcome that. And then they go back up 14 points. We overcome that and win. And then like at that point, it just felt like, you know, it was just kind of our destiny to win. We kicked the, we kicked the crap out of the Colts in the AFC championship. And then the game came down to the, the play, the big play in the Super Bowl. It was, uh, it was an awesome experience. Um, something that I'll never forget. Something that, that was actually one of the, you know, first moments, big moments that me and my wife had together that we had a chance to spend together. It was awesome to be a part of. Oh, that's nice. And one thing I meant to mention earlier, um, when we were talking about your wife and how she's helped with your families, you guys recently had an anniversary. So happy anniversary to you both as well. Thank you. And so I'm going to ask you, you know, you got to play with Tom Brady. What in your mind makes Tom Brady a GOAT? His process. <laughs> how he shows up every single day and goes about his work and how he makes other the, the team better. You know, how, how he encourages everyone around him, how he pushes the people in the building. And he don't, you know, make excuses for himself. You know, I mean, he has high expectations for himself and, you know, the people around him. And um, year after year, you know, you see that process probably get a little bit better. People don't understand why 
you know, he's continuing to play well, but um, he's mastered his process and then some. Um, he continues to find different ways to get better at his craft, get better at his recovery, get better at meals, um, get his, find his teammates better. That's why, you know, he's had continued success over all these years. Absolutely. So as you know, it's hard to make it to the NFL, but staying in the NFL is even harder, right? And they say that the average career is about two and a half years now. You've certainly surpassed that. Uh, what would you say are some of the things that you've done to ensure your longevity in the league? Um, I'll say um, I've maximized my opportunities. When I've had an opportunity to you know, go out there and play or get an opportunity to step in someone's building, you know, I think I've taken advantage of those opportunities. Um, those opportunities have looked different you know, from time to time, but um, I think I've taken advantage of the opportunity as far as the relationships, the people I've been around. I just think I've taken advantage of those opportunities. Gotcha. So something that I want to talk about is moving the ball is not just about what you do for yourself. It's also about making an impact on others. And the NFL has their My Cause, My Cleats campaign that they do every year. And you had chosen the Trigger Project. I chose that specific cause because so my dad was killed when I was born. I mean, it was murder. You know, guns has been something that has taken away lives of many people you know, around me for a long time. And so that's that's something that I've, I'm very passionate about. And my best friend, Tia Bell, she played basketball um, at NC State, played basketball in high school. Is something that's very dear to her. And that's something um, that we're trying to get better in our community. Like D.C. is like one of the um, most violent uh, places as far as guns towards like even children. So I'm just trying to bring uh, awareness you know, to that category and just understanding um, also the the reason why people pick up guns, you know what I mean? Because they're in poverty areas and, and pretty much, you know, feeling like they have to protect themselves or, you know, things like that. And, you know, that's how some of these guns are getting placed into some of these people's hands and some of these wrong for deaths are happening and things like that. So just trying to bring awareness to uh, something that was, you know, very important, you know, where I'm from um, and kind of give it that light. I think that's a great cause to to choose to support. Something else that's important to you is making an impact on the youth. And you recently had a camp at HD Woodson High School, which is where you're from, uh, your fourth in life youth football summits. It's more than just a camp, right? This is your this was your first one, but it's about football, life skills, career advice, so much more than just the game. Why did you want to do it? And uh, just talk about the impact you wanted to make. I always felt like I always wanted to do a camp. But I always feel like I never just want to just, you know, everybody just do a camp. So I just wanted to provide the community with something a little different rather than just a football camp. I think, you know, we can use sports as a stepping stone to get to a lot of different places in life. And people just don't tell us that, you know, we just be in sports and they be like making it seem like, you know, all of us can go to the NFL or all of us can go to the NBA. Some of us will be blessed and we can go to those places, but it's only 0.5% or 1% that will be doing that. And the more, you know, we can prepare ourselves in other avenues, then the better we'll be. I feel like in life, you never should just be one thing anyway and make them aware of, you know, multiple different things that the better off. My cousin, he's, uh, his name is Ricardo Young, played quarterback and, uh, at my high school, went to uh, Virginia Tech out of college. I mean, Virginia Tech for college, then he transferred and ended up at the University of Miami. But um, he has three restaurants in D.C. And he used basically used football as a way to get his degree, his master's, 
and all that. And now he's one of the best, the better young business people in Washington, D.C. I mean, why can't one of you guys be them? You know what I mean? Like, be him. He's, he's doing it the right way. And I saw a stat one day, and it said that there's 2,700 billionaires in the world, and there's only three of them that are athletes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm asking these kids, uh, okay, well, if you want to make money, I mean, this, that right here is saying that, I mean, sports definitely ain't the right way to be trying to become a billionaire. If you really want to make money, you know, it's a lot of other different ways because, you know, this stat shows us that all of the people that got money ain't, ain't athletes. Just trying to open up their mind and give them uh, some different tools to kind of move moving forward in life. Oh, I think it's a fantastic camp that you're putting on and focusing on the other things besides just the sports element is such an important way to help kids uh, get set up for success. Yeah, for sure. We're, we made them do uh, the mental part first and then get into the football stuff. So like the football stuff is easy. Gotcha. Well, it's good too, because if they're doing the football stuff first and they're tired, they're not going to focus on the other things. So flipping it around is the, the right choice. So what I want to do now is I want to run you through my two minute drill and ask you some fun questions to end the show. Are you ready? Yes. All right. First question is when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? An NFL football player. <laughs> okay. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Uh, fun, serious, loving. Great three words. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? Well, I love is just like, it's a lot of things people don't know. One thing that people might not know, I just like to walk. Like, I just like to go out for a walk without my phone. Sometimes I'll just pick it up, pick up and just start running. And like, I just like to go outside and just be outside sometimes. Um, it's, it's refreshing. Well, I like that you say you might leave your phone because sometimes we need to, to unplug from all the distractions of the phone, the social media and all that stuff and just take time for us. Sure. Yeah, a lot. So the, so the next question is, if you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? A Meek Mill, I'm a Boss. Okay. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Uh, the book I'm currently reading is um, The 80 to 20 Principle and the podcast I am currently listening to um, I like the pivot. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Ryan Clark and, and, and the team there, they do a fantastic yeah. job. Um, I actually just saw Ryan. Um, I'm here in New Orleans at the moment. And so I went up to Baton Rouge as Ryan's got his DB precision training. And so he's training guys in the off season, getting them ready for camp. Uh, the next question is you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Three famous people. Um, I would say Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. I don't think he's a great mind. Um, I would definitely, uh, three famous people. I would have loved to invite, uh, Buffett, Warren Buffett for sure. Mm -hmm. I would probably say LeBron James too. Three great choices. Or Dr. Dre. <laughs> <laughs> he's a very smart businessman as well. All of those people are very, very smart business people for sure. The last question is, do you sing in the shower? Uh, yes, I do. Would your kids or your wife say that you're good? No. <laughs> All right. Of course not. My kids like to sing in the shower too. So that's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. So as we look to close the show, let people know where are you at on social media? How can they follow you? Um, you can follow me at Tavon Wilson on most of my, my social media pages. I don't really do social media. <laughs> okay. Well, they can keep up with whatever you post, we'll have your links in the show notes. Well, Tavon, thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thank you so much, Jen, for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. Once again, if you have not already done so, 
hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And again, please share the show with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. Go check out the show notes. We've got some social links for Tavon there. We've got uh, the Move the Ball merchandise store and so much more. And we'll talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.